my dad was a was the king of the motivating. You know, I can remember getting in the car, driving two hours, and before I got into the arena, I was ready to go to war. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a matter. I didn't like anybody in the building. It was a matter of I'm going in here to get this respect. I want people to know what I do. And if there's a record or a field house record, I'm, I'm going to get it. And that was the mentality. Uh, almost like a boxer, you know, entering mm-hmm. the ring. It was uh, personal. Welcome back here to the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast. So happy that you'd press play here. I'm humbled to be your host, Mike Cunningham, the National Business Development Manager for Gill Athletics. Now, the kind of crazy part about this is you already know who today's guest is. That's probably why you pressed play. Uh, But I'm hoping our goal today, we've talked about this before, before we hit record, is to maybe bring you a little different side of the story. So help me welcome from the great state of Kentucky, um, you know, really, a, not only, a you know, obviously he was pretty fast, but a pretty good dude. And we're going to learn and actually an excellent, excellent dad. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Mr. Casey Combus. Casey, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. You know, um, Kentucky's not far from where we are here in Illinois. And so we go into Kentucky quite often. Uh, so it's always good to have a Kentucky guy. I feel like you're, I'm from Alabama. So I kind of feel like we're, we're kind of the one of the same. <laughs> right. So Casey, you know, it, it, it's really always interesting when I have a guest here on the show that has their own Wikipedia page, because <laughs> there's a lot of history you can go and just Google to find out your backstory, uh, the many, many things that you accomplished. Um, you know, you were under some amazing coaches throughout your career. So instead of going through athletically your career, although I would like to make sure guests know, it was 24 years ago, and it still stands today that this man set the national high school 60-meter record. It's amazing to set a record. It's amazing to set a record that lasts 24, well, it's keep it's still going, 25 <laughs> uh, years. Who knows when that thing's going to get broken? So I just want to make sure we do know a little bit of his athletic background. But Casey, I'm interested with you, when you think about your high school career and post that, you know, we're all about uplifting and honoring coaches and the positive impact that they make on young people. What's a coach or coaches that stand out to you when you think about the many men and maybe women that poured into you as a coach into your athletic and personal career? Well, I think it all started in 1988. And uh, when Ben beat Carl, uh, I didn't even realize my father even ran track. And then uh, I went into his room and I discovered some medals in his, uh, his room. And then I asked him, I thought they were, you know, I didn't know if he was in the war. I didn't know what they Mm -hmm. was, but he uh, finally told me that he was a track star. And I think just the excitement of seeing my dad uh, jump off the uh, recliner when Ben beat Carl in 976 or 978, I, it was just like, man, that's what I want to be. And I can remember the next day going to school and uh, 
telling, you know, my best friend, you know, when I grow up, I want to be the next in car or band, you know, and then coming home and then my dad, you know, we started going to the track and uh, he, he was wanting to, to break a mile uh, at 31 years old. He was wanting to go under five minutes. So I was jogging with my dad, you know, when I was eight years old. And then uh, he knows I had some speed. So he taught me how to come out of starting blocks. And I can remember the first time I ever did the starting blocks. Uh, I said, man, I don't like this. This don't feel right. And he said, well, you're going to look awful stupid when you get older being on the line with no starting blocks. So you're going to have to learn how to how to come out of these things. And from that moment on, man, I just kept kept working at it 10 a day, 20 a day, 50 a day. And by the time I was in high school, I was doing like 200 starts a day. So uh, that was my first introduction to uh, track and field was watching Ben and Carl and then my dad introducing me to the, to the sport. How did dad, as he was, you know, the intro coach to you, you know, your first coach, was he going off instincts, uh, what he, how he was coached? Back then, we didn't have all these YouTube and all the kind of stuff we have now. Where was he getting his, like, guidance of how to, to guide his son? Well, to be honest with you, my dad uh, was a three-time state champion in the quarter mile, wow. and uh, his uncle coached him. Well, his uncle, back in the 70s, didn't know anything about track. He just had a – was just a teacher at the school. So he called USC and got some workouts. Hmm. and uh, that's how that's how we started learning about intervals and uh the blocks and et cetera, et cetera. so it all started with my dad and my uncle teaching him and then he just kind of taught me what he knew you know as far as he he was advanced on what he knew mm-hmm. and then i just took it from there and then uh later on uh i met bob o'brien who had just had graduated from ball state university and we kind of linked up at the same time because i moved towns to Owensboro from where I was born in Henderson and then he was his first coaching job was me and he was fresh out of uh, college so I mean he taught me how to do drills he, he ran every interval with me uh, he pushed me and uh, from from his coaching we went on for till I was a senior in high school so he was your high school coach until senior year uh, all the way through high school. Yes. All, all the way through high school. How was it? I'm always interested in kids that are coached, especially in track, by their dads first, and then they get the full time coach, the high school coach here with Bob O'Brien. How was it adjusting to that? Because it's one thing to be, you know, co- being coached by your dad, which we're going to learn more about here in a little bit uh, with your own experience of that, is different than uh, another man or woman. You know, they're not related in that case. How did you adjust to? The full-time coach, he probably, I assume he did some things differently than dad and uncle. Well, one thing he did differently is, you know, my dad coached me in the summertime, mm. at, you know, once in high school. My dad was was the overseer of what we did, but Bob was, you know, even though he was my coach, he was a lot like my training partner. Mm. Mm. And then, you know, let's just give an example. On Tuesdays, I would run 10 times 200 and uh, 28 seconds, 27 seconds, where uh, he would give me a four minute recovery in between each one where with my dad, he'd only give me 48 seconds recovery. So there was a big difference in taking it to the, another level. I, I like to think that when I got with my dad in the summer, you know, I was went to another level because I was, uh, in better shape. But probably went to a different level of also throwing up. I mean, that's a tough workout. <laughs> I threw up every day for uh, three consecutive years. And, uh, <laughs> 
a lot of a lot of kids on my team, even their parents would ask me, you know, send me a track practice picking their kids up, and I'd say, you know, what 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 do you do that for? Why are you doing that for? And I used to tell them the same reason why you come to see me run on Saturday. You know, this is what it takes if you want to see me perform at that level. And I knew that then, you know, because I didn't put the work in, I didn't throw up. Yeah, I felt like King Kong out there at the time. That's a, that's a great response. Well, that's why you come to see me on Saturday because I do this. That's right. I like that. W where did the idea of, and we don't get into X's and O's all that too much here because I haven't coached in 17 years. So it would be inauthentic for me to talk about coaching, but you talked about, and I've heard you say it before, 200 starts a day. That's a lot. Where did that idea of like, okay, I'm going to be really good at this, which means I'm going to put in a lot of time and effort into this. Well, you know, I'm a student of the game. I used to study guys like Armin Harry, uh, Charlie Green, uh, Ben Johnson. So I knew that, you know, and like I said, going back to that day one with my dad, it felt awkward to me. So mm -hmm. I knew that was a weak link in my uh, track. So I, that I needed to work on that. I knew that the speed was there, the endurance was there. I would do any workout you wanted, but my weakest link was the start. So you know, a lot of nights, uh, I would just get in my car and just go to track and just uh, do starts and run out 10, 15 yards and come back, run out 10 or 15 yards and come back. You know, a lot of people would think that was crazy, but uh, I wanted to create the start faster than anybody. I don't and know so if you're – go, go ahead, I'm sorry. So, I mean, all, all I could do is know this. If, if I can get out on them, then – that thought in others, you know, other sprinters' mind when the race goes off, if I could get that jump on them and they got to, they either, if they even think, even blink to think, it's a wrap. I got it. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons why I worked on it so hard. I'm not sure if you're a reader, but there is an author who's actually is a, a track fan. His name's Malcolm Gladwell. And he's an amazing writer and podcaster. I, I highly recommend him for anybody. Uh, but one of the books he uh, wrote was called Outliers. And it talked about people that excelled like way more than even the greatest, right? Like, I mean, the, the true one percenters of one percent. And he talks about this study of the 10,000 hours that to be <clears throat> really good at something, it takes on average 10,000 hours. So the, the violinist that wants to be the first chair of the Boston Philharmonic, you know, the number one uh, um orchestra in the world, it takes him or her 10,000 hours to get good to even be start there. I, I get I, I think about that, because I think about your 200 starts, and you're starting all the time. And every day, like you were putting in you were working on your 10,000 hours, you were perfecting that craft of the starting and the starting block. Yeah, he's called myself the 40 hour starter. 40, 40 hours a week. Starting. 40 yeah. hours starter. I love it. I love it. I love it. So how was that? You, you mentioned uh, Bob is like kind of like a training partner as well for you. What impact did he make? We talked about dad, with, you know, gave you the spark when you saw his medals. What impact did Bob make on you in your high school career? Uh, at times, you know, he would say little things that could just uh, ignite me. You know, I can remember one time we were at Kentucky uh, Invitational and uh, he uh, he says to me, uh, the sky's the limit, you know. I mean, uh, uh, but I, I always had this rule, like, if I didn't break a record or if I didn't come close to what I ran last week, I felt like I let myself down. So it was always uh, – 
this ongoing thing to want to be better than I was last week. And he was always good at having me ready and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, giving me good advice and motivate me. My dad was a, was the king of the motivating. You know, I can remember getting in the car, driving two hours, and before I got into the arena, I was ready to go to war. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a matter I didn't like anybody in the building. It was a matter of I'm going in here to get this respect. I want people to know what I do. And if there's a record or a field house record, I'm, I'm going to get it. And that was the mentality. Uh, almost like a boxer, you know, entering mm-hmm. the ring. It was uh, personal. S- sounds like you had a lot of trust in, in those two as your, your coaches. Well, I mean, they put a lot of time in with me. They were my mentors and they wanted to see me do good. And I wanted to perform good for them. I wanted to make them look good, you know, because my dad was just a guy that worked at the railroad for 41 years. who didn't go to college. who had scholarship because he had children and he put that life on hold for him. So a lot of times before I got on the line, I thought about my dad. I thought about my grandfathers. I thought about some of them that were in my life that were passed on. Where your average person on the line is not thinking about a funeral or this and that. It, it run deep, you know. And uh, I felt like um, I represented those people. Hmm. I like that. Now, after high school, and again, we, we don't necessarily need or want to get into specifics, but I know you did have some running after high school. In fact, you worked with a couple of people that I know near and dear to my heart, actually. Marshall Goss at Indiana University. I know you had a little bit of a relationship with him, a lot of almost proximity for him because <laughs> how close you were to, to Bloomington. And then Stan Naruski uh, down at Wallace as well, dear friend of mine. Uh, what was the role of coaches uh, post high school as you continue to kind of find your way in the right footing and where you're going to move on towards? Well, you know, after, after my senior year, my grades wasn't very good. And uh, I put my hamstring and uh, I really wasn't school oriented. I mean, uh, and when I look back on it, I wish that I was because my life would have been a whole lot different today. But uh, I can remember getting in trouble. And uh, my lawyer says to me, he says, man, there's the telephone. Pick up a phone and call some university and see if they give you a scholarship. And maybe we can get this uh, trial extended and show you got good grades. You changed your life. You moved away. So I can remember calling Stan Naruski. And uh, anybody who knows Naruski knows he's a. Uh, he can talk. So uh, I tell him my situation, and he says to me, well, when are you coming? And I knew it at that moment right there he wasn't judging me. He was going to try to help me. So uh, I arrived in Hansville, Alabama, in the That's middle it. of nowhere. And uh, he was there, and uh, he accepted me. And uh, to tell you the truth, he's one of uh, one of my favorite coaches, Stan Bruski. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, I call him the character. He's something else. He always made me laugh. He always made me smile. And uh, he was there when I needed him the most. And I can remember in August, before I left to come see him, I said, Coach, if you'll... Now, you gotta remember, I've been off a year. Mm-hmm. I done pulled my hamstring and got in trouble. I'm stressed to the max. But I tell Naruski, I say, listen, if you'll give me a scholarship, I'll get you 10 points at the national championships. And uh, so when I arrived, I started, I went right back to work. I knew as a kid, I'd go into a little auditorium that they had over there, and I just started working on my starts. And then when the Ruskies practice was over, I'd go back and do it. And then my, my roommate was Obi Moore. Mm-hmm. So me and Obi, you know, we practiced a whole lot. 
on her own time in, in, in Hansville because there wasn't much to do. It was just a small town in the middle of Alabama, you know. Yeah. And then I, I actually got my assistant coach was Ed Witt and, and uh, for Naruski. Mm-hmm. Good guy. He would drive from Nashville, Tennessee every day to Hansville. And uh, I learned a lot about balance with him. And what I mean by that is, is which leg stronger than the other. So we take five yards, take a stopwatch, hobble on one leg and time it, and then do the other leg and time it. So if, if it's not consistent, then one leg's weaker than the other. So that was one thing that I picked up on from Coach Witt. And uh, Questioner Ruski, I just owe him uh, a lot of a lot of thank yous for, for what he did for me because I ended up winning the national championship. But uh, I just – it was hard for me to uh, – to uh from where i come from in the city to living on a cornfield yeah it was just difficult for me in the in the process that i was going through you know doing some jail time and stuff mm-hmm. so but no naruski was my guy and that's our first time that you and i's paths crossed because i was coaching at a junior college in kansas uh and you know it's it, it's striking to me that someone from uh, Kentucky is calling a place in Alabama small. That tells you how small Hansville is. It really is tiny. And I was in Hansville uh, equivalent over in Kansas coaching a junior college. And we're at Kansas state for the indoor junior college nationals. And you win the 60. And I remember I caught up cause you know, I've been friends with Stan forever up to that point, even. So I, I knew it was okay if I, you know, talked to his athlete, you know, you, and so I just caught up to you and I was like, Hey, congratulations. And you're, you know, you're real nice. You're, you're a good young kid. You know, you're like, yes, thank you. And I said, you know what? The sport's better with you in it and winning. And you said, I agree. <laughs> it just cracked me. You're like, I agree. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, good, good, good. Uh, but I, I, uh, I stand by that. I stand by that. So let's, let's fast forward here a little bit. Cause what's interesting to me, what we're about to learn here in your current role, if you will, current roles, some of that story you just told, I'm curious how it's playing out today. So for those of you listening who don't know, Casey has a son. What what grade is he going? Is he in to uh, now? Uh, he's a sophomore this year. So- sophomore. Okay. I couldn't, I thought sophomore. So he's got a sophomore named King, by the way, which I love. Uh, there are enough Mikes and Dans and Steves in the world. So I love a, a good name. So King is awesome. Bravo. Uh, and King has got some talent, which you might guess, because, you know, you can't beat genetics and, you know, he's got pretty good genetics here, right? So first of all, give us the 30,000 foot level about King and your coach and him kind of give us, catch us up to, to today as a sophomore, you know, when, when you first noticed he was going to be a sprinter, did you force him into being a sprinter? D- did he know who you were? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> uh, you know, I like it. I, I got to tell the truth here. I mean, you know, uh, I've been telling everybody that King going to be the world's fastest man before he's even born. I mean, I kind of per- uh, predicted that. That's a heck of a prediction. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people think I named him King to be cocky, but the truth of the matter is, is my grandfather was last name King, mm-hmm. and that's who my father got his genes from, and that's who I got my genes from. So I figured, you know, with the third generation, it's King Cumbus. So that's why I named him King. Love it. But around four years old, he could jump off couches, jump on beds, uh, run around the block. Uh, 
tremendously uh, faster than any but any four year old that I had run across. He didn't even need training wheels on his bicycles, so he had great balance. Uh, so I started teaching him to start around. Uh, of, co- of course, you did. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, can I, I guess? Actually, can I guess that his first Christmas gift was like a set of blocks right off the bat? <laughs> well, we actually made him starting blocks out of two by fours. Nice. And uh, and we started working on that. But he actually, I was getting trained by Trevor Graham at the time that he was oh, born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, he actually did his first start in an elevator in a hotel room. So uh, and then we just went from there. Awesome. But King is uh, has outrun every one of my times. For my as a as for his age right now, and uh, he's a whole lot. I call him the supreme version of Casey. He's a lot stronger. Uh, he's 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 a great kid. He's not uh, has no ego. He has no uh, background of uh, of anything that's mm-hmm. going to harp him. He's a good yep. kid. He's got a four point He uh, he trains a like I do. And he believes in what he does. And I'm just backing uh, a champion in the making. So he grew up around you running. And so, so he didn't like one day as a, you know, eight-year-old come across a newspaper article online or anything like that. And was like, hey, dad, were you a sprinter? He, he knew from the jump, like, oh, this is what my dad does. He's a, he's a sprinter. He's a track guy. Well, you know, being from where we're from and small towns or where we go, you know, he gets asked a million times, you know, are you faster than daddy? You're faster than your daddy? Which I always used to say to him, yeah, he's faster than me. That's the king. That's the king. You know, nice. so I, I don't really ego myself, team, but he, I always bump king up to everybody. And I think king bought into believing that he's the king and that uh, one day he's going to be a world-class sprinter. Hmm. And uh, every day he worked on his craft. And uh, I never really told him much about what I've done, honestly, he looks it up on the internet. He's seen a lot of stuff about me, my documentaries, blah, blah, blah. But I've always tried to make it about King. You know, like I died a long time ago and you're the, you're reborn. You're the guy that's doing it now. Mm-hmm. But I told him when he was young, I'm going to teach you everything that I know. And if I don't know, I'll seek and find so that I can teach you the right way. And, you know, being around, being around world-class sprinters, especially Trevor, even though, you know, things went the way they did with him, I learned a ton of knowledge from mm-hmm. him. You know, I spent eight weeks with him. It was like a sponge soaking up water. I mean, I remember damn near every word he said. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that I've passed on to King. And, uh, like, I never ran a dry phase. Like, mm-hmm. when you're 657, I didn't run no dry phase. Right. So a lot of things that I've learned, I didn't pertain, I didn't put it into what I knew. I took the knowledge and I put it into King. And uh, so far, it's working pretty good. Are, are you exclusively coaching him, or does he also have, like, a high school coach, or how's that relationship? But the problem is, is every time that he gets on a high school team, it's not nothing against or disrespect for the high school coaches that are around our area. They don't know much. Mm. They might be a music teacher this or a PE teacher that's mm-hmm. getting an extra three, four thousand dollars to coach the track team. Mm-hmm. And when you've been training somebody like I have since they've been twelve months old, they need to get on our level. We don't want to get on their level because we're trying to proceed to the Olympic. That's our ultimate goal. So I run into a lot of troubles with the schools. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a parent. You don't need to come out here. I can't have parents coming out and telling me what to do, blase, blase. But yet you go into the library getting a book on how to do this stuff. Right. <laughs> so my point is, is that, you know, I I run King unattached. Hmm. Uh, we try to run a lot of college meets. 
uh, we try to run into big meets as well. But our, our pursuit is to break 657, and I feel like I'm the best guy for that job for right now. Mm-hmm. now as things get older, like I told King, you know, I don't mind to turn you over to somebody like a Lance Brahman or somebody mm-hmm. that knows what's going on, but I can't turn you over to a local coach that don't know it's not going to get you to the level you need to be at. Right. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. And, you know, I have a lot of empathy for high school coaches around the country. You know, I've interviewed a lot of them and obviously done business with a lot of them. Um, you know, first of all, very unfair comparison to say the average high school coach to the experiences and coaching that you've had, right? I mean, we're not talking about someone who was good in high school. We're talking about someone who was the best actually in high school. So that's a tough comparison there. And then, you know, we realize our high school coaches are teachers and they're also moms and dads. I mean, there's a lot going on. So I completely understand that. I I would feel a little, I don't care how good of a high school coach I was. I would feel a little, um, oh, what's the word? Um, yes yeah 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 it's like oh combus i remember that name and then you come out i'm like oh crap you're his dad oh man yeah Yeah, that's tough sure yeah Yeah. that's that's a little tough that's like i tell tell all these coaches you know just ride the wave man you know you're gonna meet all kinds of college coaches you can get all the glory in the newspaper i don't need any of that stuff that's a good point destination but a lot of them they don't they don't want to buy into that that's a good point that's a good point well what's it like you know when a a a high school coach is coaching a kid and especially in track and field there can be a lot of emotions and I mean that in the in the right way of like you know you have a a a disappointing practice or you just can't hit the mark that you're trying to hit and you have frustration uh maybe you get a little upset with coach maybe coach gets a little upset with you but you both then typically go on your your own way the kid goes home and does his homework and eats dinner and gets ready for the next day coach goes home to him or her family etc etc you and king don't have that luxury if you guys have a little head buddy and you both go home (laughs) how do you deal with like do you try to set dad aside when you're on the track or which is impossible to do that 100% by the way or do you recognize that hey I know I'm I'm coaching and everything but I'm also dad on the track how, how do you balance that role when you're actually training well it's funny you say that because I you know I've told King this and he'll tell you this too when we get to the track I always say you know I'm not dad no more I'm coach now but my son has uh, respects me he looks up to me he knows that I got the record and he knows uh what it means to, to the sport to me so you know we, we really don't have any type of problems like that you know he knows I'm I'm a strainer so I mean every morning at 4 30 my son gets up and does 500 sit-ups 250 push-ups before before he needs breakfast and then uh, he goes to school he does his uh little uh white meal at school and then at 3 30 we go to the track and uh we really don't even though he's my son, it's kind of, he's my best friend. So we got this relationship where it's like, he knows who I am and I know who he is. So he keeps constantly bragging on me, but yet I'm constantly bragging on him. So it's, it's, it's a different situation. It's kind of like Dion and his son. We're just, uh, we're together on this. Yeah. And, but it's really about him now and not about me. Hmm. When, when you look back, you talked about your dad as your coach, Bob as your coach, Stan, when you look back at the coaches who've had influence over Trevor that have had influence over you, who do you feel like you most align with when you're coaching King? And what I mean by that is like, 
like, do you run all the workouts with them? Like Bob, um, are you able to make them smile and laugh? Like Stan, what, what, what do you feel like you're most influenced by coaches to, to your style now with him? Well, I mean, you know, high school coaches are different, you know, because they don't, they don't know the level of intensity as a pro coach or the, or how important it is to sleep a certain amount of time or to, uh, eat or to rest or to uh, hit speed work at this point or endurance at this point, weights at this point, plows at this point, intervals, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I always try to take what Coach Graham taught me. And uh, whereas this life or death, this is serious and there's no going back to tomorrow. We don't have time. So I, I, I have King's schedule already written out before for the entire year of what we're going to do. I'm not one of these coaches that shows up and says, well, what are we going to do today? I already know what we're going to do today. Right. <laughs> you know, and King can, can verify this as well. I almost tell him what he's going to run before he runs. I almost already know the time before we even walk in the building because we've done, done it in practice. Hmm. So, I mean, that helps a whole lot. That way I'm not feeding him some kind of BS to where I can think, well, if I didn't run that fast, then it lowers his self-esteem. I try to keep it real with him and uh, and, and set the bar high because we, we train hard. I'm glad you brought that part up because I wanted to make that this connection as well. So you had mentioned that when you went into any field house for a competition, that if you didn't PR, <clears throat> if you didn't PR, you felt like you let – your, your family down, your coach down, you felt bad about it. Like I, I should have PR'd every time. And you realize, and that's, you know, that's you as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, you now know as a, an adult, like it, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's impossible to PR every single time you step on the track. How do you handle those expectations with King? You, you know, you're, you're in a much older, wiser age and stage today than you were as a 17 year old, but now you're working with a 15 uh, ish year old who may think if I don't PR, well, then I let everybody down when we know that's not the truth. Cause it's a progression towards the big breakthroughs. How do you handle that as well, not only as coach, but as dad. <laughs> well, I tell him, you know, you can control your own destiny out here. You know, we put it under all this work. It's a war. And, you know, you're talking to somebody who broke 76 records out of 77 races in my lifetime. So it's a, I, I, I tell King this all the time. Life is a fight. It's a war. And these people don't show up to see you win, King. They, they show up to see you lose. So at the end of the day, you've got to be razor sharp. And when you ain't working, those boys in Texas are working. They're working in Cali. So it's a constant, constant reinforcement of being ready. Now, even though we may not PR every time, which King has PR 18 out of 19 races, uh, we're primed, we're ready, we're living it. When we leave the track, we just don't say, okay, father and son deal. Our our life is based on track every day, all day. I love him if he never ran a, a track meet at all. He's my best friend. But he chose this. This is what he bought into with me a long, long time ago. And the mentality is we're not backing down from nobody. We're coming. And uh, we're not afraid to run nobody. And that's why I run him in when he was in middle school. I mean, elementary, I run him in middle school meets. When he was in middle school, I run him in high school meets. When he's in high school, I run him in college meets. Because I'm preparing him for the ultimate battle, mm -hmm. which is years from now. So we're, we're just uh, in the moment, as they say. And we're trying to create moments. But being it, being sharp 
every day with the starts, with the mind, uh, and knowing you done went through hell and back to get where you're at today, that it's a war. And it's no different than, like I tell him, if you signed up for the Army and they put you in a plane and jumped you out 18,000 feet in the air, you know, it, there's a war going on. Are you ready? Put me on the front lines. And that's what I've instilled in King. And King's not scared to run anybody because he's prepared. So that's that's one of the things that me and him are all the same on. And, you know, is that if we were mowing grass, we're going to try more, more grass than anybody ever mowed. <laughs> that is competitiveness there. I love that. Casey, as you were growing up through the ranks, I have to imagine as you, first time you broke 670, 669, 668, there started becoming a target on your back. It's like, well, this kid's not going to run 667, and then you'd go out and run 667. And I have to imagine King has a lot of things that would maybe potentially put a, a target on his back. First of all, his name is King right? Let's just be honest with you. That, that automatically maybe puts a target on your back. Uh, his last name, so his first name is King. His last name is Combus. <laughs> that, you know, that maybe puts a, how, do you guys get, when you're going to these meets, do you get, do you feel more love from people or do you get more pushback on people? Well, it definitely helps that I've had a past in track and opens the door a lot because, you know, almost every meet director or promoter knows or heard of me. So that helps us get in the doors. Uh, there's a lot of other coaches uh, that maybe have an athlete that they don't like the fact that I coach him and that they're, but uh, they're not openly going to say that, but I've heard it, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, we've had pretty good response. And uh, I try to be as nice and as upfront as I can be with uh, me promoters and, uh, other coaches, but uh, Kentucky has a good group of people running Kentucky track, like at KY Track XC, Tim mm -hmm. King, Frank McClavick. You know, I go back 30 years with Frank McClavick. He opened the door for me everywhere I went when I was before the internet and all that. He knew everybody. He used to call him, I used to say, man, you know everybody. But uh, we try to just entertain people with, with the talent that we have. And, uh, and hopefully we inspire a whole lot of people, you know, uh, King doesn't get caught up. You know, he gives autographs. He takes photos with lots of people, but he's not, he's humble. He's the kind of guy that knows what he's there for, which I respect that about him because a lot of kids would get the big head and this and that, but no matter where we go or how, how much success we had, it's always back to the drawing board on Monday. Let's get back. That's over with. This is the new deal. So we just, we try not to let negativity get in, into uh, into our training. Good. That's what I was, I was first of all. I was hopeful that you, there'd be more positivity than negativity. Uh, we're never going to be a hundred have a hundred percent, but I would just hope, just from in general of track and be an acceptance of people that you'd be welcomed, and then therefore your son would be welcomed. And you know, we let the chips fall where it may when it comes to the track. That's what's great about this sport is we go find out who the fastest is. We go line up and see what happens, and then you know. So why hate? Just figure out who who got first, who got second, right? So I, I love yeah. that you have that. If uh, somebody outrun you, you got to tip your hat to them because you don't watch you, you don't watch your butt off. Exactly. If you did everything possible, what else can you ask for? That's exactly right. So Casey, you know, it's just interesting, this lineage of your dad coaching you and you now coaching King, when you take a step back from it, you know, take a step back from the track, take a step back from sitting at the dinner table. What's it mean to you to be his coach, his best friend and his dad? 
It means everything that I ever had in my life. Without him, I'm I, I'm nothing. You know, he's 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 the reason why I'm still here. He's he gives me strength. He gives me energy. He gives me love. He gives me respect. He's my son. Like I tell him all the time, man. I lay my life down for you because I love you. And I think I think he'd do that for me. He's uh, a special kid. I can I can say that. I've got other kids, uh, but uh, he, he's he's number one with me. Not because he can run, just because he's my best friend. You know, we hang tight every day, all day. We go everywhere together. Uh, and uh, you think that you know we get tired of one another, but really we feed off one another. Win or lose, it's King and Casey together. And I bet there's more winning than losing going on there. <laughs> well, we're gonna, we're, we're, like I said, we're gonna be prepared to win. If somebody beats us, we got to tip our hat to them. But we're gonna come back the next week. And we're gonna be looking for where you're running. You know. So, as we start to wrap up here a little bit, Casey, what what is the end goal here? Is the end goal for you to help him get a college scholarship? Uh, I know you mentioned the Olympics. Is that the end goal? Is the end goal for you know a lot of dad? You know, I'm a dad of two. Uh, so my, my end goal is, is a little bit fuzzier in the sense of like, my end goal is like, Oh, I want your life to be better than what my life was. What is your end goal when you're thinking about, uh, your relationship with King? Well, my end goal is, and my only goal is for King is, is to be able to get a college degree because I got all this knowledge and I can't do anything with it because I don't have a degree. And, uh, it's sad because we put all this time in it. You're talking about those 10,000 hours. That guy said, you know, we got lots more than 10,000 hours in, into this in, in three generations. And, you know, my dad, he went to work for the railroad. He didn't have a degree. So it's been hard for me surviving, taking care of my family and trying to do what's right uh, and keep it positive. So I always tell him, you know, I'm a second rate citizen because I don't I can't make the wages and, and do the things that a lot of families out here do with their kids and I think but it, in this other aspect I spend my time with him mm -hmm. so we have a lots of time we talk about everything under the sun together but at the end of the day I think my son could be coaching uh in the future because he's a student of the game He's, he's, I like to think he's learned from some of the best minds uh, in the country. And um, whether he gets 657 or not, which I believe he will, uh, we want to keep that 60 meters in the Compass family. Hmm. And uh, if we can make it to the Olympics or make it on the pro scene, we can make a living and around the world and meet lots of people and you know, we live in a different world today. There's social media and uh, fans and just the vibe of track is alive today where it was dead a lot when we were young. Hmm. And uh, I wanted to be a part of that because I feel like he, he deserves that. And uh, I just wanted to be able to pass the torch on, you know, to maybe what if he has a son, you know, or a daughter. But the main thing is I wanted to know this one thing. His daddy loved you. That's the that's, ultimate goal. That's the ultimate, that's the ultimate goal. That's right. You know, Casey, as we go through life, we end up having a lot of different roles that we play. Um, for you, you've been a runner. You've been a track star. You are a record holder. Those are roles. Uh, your son, um, maybe your spouse, um, 
you know, different jobs that we have, you know, salesmen, et cetera. Uh, but the number one role that we'll ever have is dad. And that was the most interesting part of me having you on the show today is, was to be able to show and have you uh, exemplify, exemplify, be the example of the dad that you are for King. Cause that's the ultimate, again, the, the true win or lose. And uh, you know, there's a lot more winning going on than losing here, but you know, we do lose. No one, no one bats a hundred percent, right? We do lose in some form or fashion. Uh, but with dad, uh, you can win every day. And so I'm just so proud of you, what you do with him, not for him, with him and for him, but with him on a daily basis, you know, you had a lot of choices in your life um, where you could have made a lot of different choices, uh, including what you do and how you do with him. Um, but I know he's better for it. Uh, because of the decisions you've made, uh, you're better for it because of those decisions that you've made to uh, ultimately stick and be dad to King. That's the number one role over coach, buddy, friend, teacher, all that stuff. Dad is the ultimate uh, role. And so uh, just want to say how proud I am of you. Uh, we're so happy for you guys. Uh, we're excited to watch along in the journey. I mean, that's kind of the fun part about being a track and a track fan is, you know, we get to see the journey. Uh, and no matter what, you know, that kid, that King, his life is better because of you. And so I just want to say uh, thank you for being that example and just uh, grateful for you. And thank you for being here and sharing your your side of the journey with us today. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate everything you do for the sport. And uh, hopefully uh, in the future, uh, the sky's the limit on what we do. We might have to do a, an update uh, after, you know, like after high school and then after college, when he goes to his first Olympics, we'll have to keep doing like little, little life updates. Cause no doubt you're going to be involved with it all the way, my friend. I appreciate you. All right. Have a good one, man. Yes, sir. The goals to appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most. Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. You gotta prep for you carry the load. It's coffee to the soul for those of us who stay on the go. Proper handoff to stay in the zone. What you packing for the road? There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toll. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen to you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor's years of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a standard to live up to. And the price sacrifice, can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight. Not a win or lose It's not a ploy but advice so y'all can make more moves It's not about how to, it's all about why You don't know till you know who you are inside Six million ways to tie Choose none so we all cross the finish line The work ain't done So we learn from the experts We all gotta put in the legwork Guild Athletics is a network It's all about connections Put together for the profession So every track coach can be the blessing